Good morning, church. Hey, do me a favor while this is coming down. Just reach over to the person next to you or behind you or in front of you and just tell them hi and happy Sabbath, would you? Smile at them, too. We don't want people to think we're grouchy. You look better with a smile anyway. Down through the ages, people have always referred to the Bible for their counsel, and I hope that you still do the same even today. Sometimes, when we begin to look at the counsel that the Bible has to say, if we're not careful, we can see something and we, we kind of take it out of context, maybe. Or maybe we just kind of pick up on a word or two instead of looking at the whole verse itself. Here's one such passage found in Matthew 19, verse 19. Jesus says, Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, a lot of people focus on the love as yourself. Forget about the rest. We like to love ourselves. And they think that the Bible is just saying that we should just continually love ourselves with the emphasis on self. But look what Jesus said just two verses before this one in Matthew 19, verse 17. He said, so he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. How can you love yourself when the Bible says you're not God? And since you're not God and God's the only one that's good, then you evidently must not be good. Maybe there's something more to this text that we really don't understand. When Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself, he was actually quoting an Old Testament passage. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 17. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now it's important for us to look at the context even of this verse. See what it says in Leviticus 19, verse 16 17. You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. Basically, this is saying, if you don't want others to tell tales about you, if you don't want others to hate you or carry a grudge against you, then you better not do these things to them. So we can conclude then. If your anger within causes you to want to destroy the reputation of another person for any reason, you are full of selfish desires. Does that make sense? Look what the Apostle Paul wrote, Romans 13, verse 9. 
For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The context of this verse indicates the meaning of this phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't want your neighbor to commit adultery with your spouse or murder a family member, or steal from you, or bear false witness against you, then you need to love him and don't do the same things to him. The Apostle Paul told a young preacher, Timothy, what would be the great sign of sinfulness in the last days. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, he says this. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop or an elder, like some of them have it, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, Hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house How will he take care of the church of God? See, Paul knew that there were many things that goes on in our homes. Many times in the quiet, sanctifying place of our homes, we, we tend to talk about other people. And we tend to blame them for things. There's infidelity that goes on behind closed doors. Pornography. Alcohol and drugs. Greed. Family quarrels. Desiring and saying, I wish I had what those people have. A lack of discipline with with the children. All these things are happening behind closed doors. And you know what's really behind all those things? The love of self. Selfishness. That's why Jesus gives the contrast to this in his teaching found in the Gospel of John. John chapter 12 verse 25. Jesus says, He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Loving Your way of life is a part of selfishness. I want things to go my way. The behavior, that behavior is going to cause you, according to Jesus, to lose your gift of eternal life. But why does he say we should hate our life? That doesn't sound natural. That doesn't sound normal. Romans 12, verse 3. 
For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now that word soberly means really means being of sound mind. Don't rely on your selfish feelings and desires, but do the things according to the measure of faith that God has given to you. Ellen White's writings list 267 references to self-love and 831 references to self-esteem. And you know what? Without exception, every statement is opposed to self-love and self-esteem. You can almost get the picture that self-love is a reflection of Satan who, has, who was filled with self-love. What do I mean? Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14. The question is asked, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? I mean, Lucifer was, was one of the high angels in heaven. How come you've fallen out of heaven? He's even called the son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, down to this earth. You who weaken the nations. Here's why. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend. Wait a minute, let me ask the kids. Kids, count how many times I say I. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. How many times did he say I? Five times. I always said, Lucifer had an eye problem. Look what it says in the story of redemption about Lucifer. Page 14. Concealing his real purposes, he, we're talking about Satan, assembled the angelic host, the angels around him, and he introduced his subject. Here's his subject, which was himself. Lucifer was only thinking of himself. The father of sin is full of self. The sinful nature of mankind is controlled by a selfish nature, just like that of Satan himself. You can be religious and still be controlled by a selfish nature. Did you know that? Look at the dialogue that Jesus talks about of a Pharisee in a parable that he told in Luke 18, verses 9 through 12. Also, he, Jesus, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. There's the context. I'm righteous, but I don't like you. And he tells the parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, religious man. And the other a 
IRS agent, tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Kids, count how many times he says I. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. How many times? Same as Satan. Whoa. This is a religious man. He prides himself in living a spiritual life. I'm righteous. He's full of self. Self rules, even in prayers. Now look at the contrast between this religious man who has an eye problem like Lucifer and that of the tax collector, the one he was condemning. Luke 18, verses 13 and 14. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He never said I once. Now Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other, the righteous Pharisee, the religious man. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If self rules, you're going to be humbled at some point in your life. But when I give up self, God Himself is going to exalt me. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we should love ourselves. Yet it's become a very popular teaching in the world today. Psychiatrists, psychologists, advertising agencies, even ministers' sermons and books Say that you ought to uplift yourself. Self is the one that's important in this world. They even had a time period in in all school systems, public schools, and even in, in private schools where they said, kids are suffering from low self esteem. We've got to build them up. And they found out that as the kids got older, they were just selfish kids. They weren't any better. In fact, they were worse. Christ Object Lessons, page 162. Those who are filled with self-esteem and self-love, that's selfishness, do not feel the need of a living, personal union with Christ. The heart that has not fallen on the rock is proud of its wholeness. Men want a dignified religion. They desire to walk in a path wide enough to take in their own attributes. Their self-love, their love of popularity, and the love of praise exclude the Savior from their hearts. And without Him, there is gloom and sadness. Did you see that? self 
excludes, pushes out the Savior from your heart. John 12, verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. That's Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, Jesus, lest they should be put out of the synagogues. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. The praise of men, which is selfishness. I want to be popular. The fear of being kicked out of the church. That was more important than receiving the praise of God and letting Him come into my life. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 3, page 535. The illuminating light from heaven cannot penetrate the cold, dark walls of self-love and self-esteem. In other words, when you're filled with self, there's no room for the Spirit of Christ to guide you life. Here's another statement that makes me shudder. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, pages 727 to 728. I have seen that self-glorification, that selfishness, was becoming common among whom? Oh, look out. Among Seventh-day Adventists. And that unless the pride of man should be abased and Christ exalted, we should, as a people, be in no better condition to receive Christ at his second advent than were the Jewish people to receive him at his first advent. That's powerful. But the problem is, she's talking about you and me. I think it's time to wake up, don't you think? I believe the time has come for us to change from a life of glorifying self to a life that will glorify Christ and Christ only. I'm not in this church for popularity. I'm in this church to glorify Jesus Christ. Matthew 20, verses 20 to 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons. Who was Zebedee's sons? Ah, Peter, James, and John. Okay, she came with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. That's Jesus. And he, Jesus said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons, talking more of, of Peter and, and John, that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And be baptized with the baptism that I'm, I am baptized with? And they said to him, that's the son said to him, Oh, we are able. I can do anything. So he said to them, 
you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten, that's the rest of the disciples, heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come out of selfishness. He came to serve others. And he says, if you really want to be my follower, don't start thinking about selfish desires and power and who's going to be on the right hand and who's going to be on the left hand or anything else. If you really want to be my follower, you've got to serve just like I serve. Messages to Young People, page 26. Our simplicity will accomplish much in this work. We are not to try to climb up to high positions or to gain the praise of men. Our aim should not be, not be to be the greatest. We are to have an eye single to the glory of God. So how do you destroy selfishness? Believe it or not, You've got to go to Isaiah 53. And you've got to do it on a daily basis. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, speaking of Jesus way before Jesus was ever born, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The word iniquities means selfishness. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the selfishness of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He He has put him to grief. 
When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall be shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities of selfishness. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is talking about what Jesus was willing to do to be able to save us from our selfishness. This entire chapter should be memorized by every member in the church, word for word. When I begin to glorify myself or to glorify others, I need to take a look at the picture of Jesus, who was my Lord and my Redeemer, who humbled himself from the glory of heaven to come down and to be placed in a borrowed grave. From the Creator who could be everywhere at all times, and he obtained to himself a human body that limits him to being at one place at one time. He died a disgraceful on a disgraceful cross. Why? Because he loves us. There's no selfish thought to be found in this description of Jesus. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, that's the selfishness, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever loses his selfishness is going to find eternal life. What does it mean to take up the cross? Galatians 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have to crucify self to the cross of Christ. So that there's room for the Spirit of Christ to enter into my life. Because he's the only way that knows the way to heaven. I don't know how to get there. I don't know what it takes. So I've got to die to my selfish desires. The things that I desire here on this earth means nothing compared to what is ready for me in heaven. There's an article that was written in Signs of the Times, February the 24th, 1890. A Christian once said that when he reached heaven, he expected to meet with three causes of wonder. He would wonder to find some that he did not expect to see there. He would wonder not to see some that he expected to meet. And lastly, he would wonder most to find so unworthy a sinner as himself in the paradise of God. Many who have stood in high places as Christians upon earth will not be found with a happy throng that shall surround a throne. Those who have had knowledge and talent and yet have delighted in controversy and unholy strife 
will not have a place with the redeemed. Their hearts were not in harmony with the meekness and self-denial of Christ. They desired to do some great work that they might be admired and flattered by men, but their names were not written in the Lamb's book of life. For Jesus said, I know you not. But those whose lives were made beautiful by little acts of kindness, by tender words of affection and sympathy, whose hearts recoiled from the strife and contention, who never did any greater work in order to be lauded of men, these are found recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Though the world counted them as insignificant and small, they are approved of God before the assembled universe. They are astonished to hear the word from the lips of the divine master. Come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We read in Isaiah 53 how Jesus gave his life for us out of love. Are you willing to give up self for him? If so, let's stand and sing hymn number 281.
Gracious Father, you allowed your son Jesus to come to this sin-sick earth to be rejected, despised, beaten, crucified, so that we might have life. He gave it all. What do we have to give? Sacrifice self on the cross of Jesus. And to give our open hearts now to the spirit of the living God to enter in and to give us peace and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.